You know, we're going to talk today about love. Joy to the world is the, is the series, Love, Light, and Life. And last week we shared a little bit about joy and talked about the fact that Jesus came into this earth and he brought great joy. We, we went through some scriptures really in, in Isaiah and in Luke in chapter 2 and the idea that when Elizabeth was in her house and she was pregnant, that when Mary came and she was pregnant with the Messiah, that the baby on the inside of Elizabeth jumped for joy, that Jesus, when he came into the room, even inside the womb, brought joy into that household and into that place, that, that God told and spoke to the shepherds in Luke, again, it, it, that said, hey, and I'm just going to tell you right now, there's coming a gift, and this one whom you're seeking is going to bring great joy to all the earth. And really, we, we have that joy on the inside of us. Jesus said, and we went back through these scriptures a little bit more in depth, of course, but in John chapter 15, verse 11, we went back to that scripture that said, he gives us his joy. He is planting in us his joy. If we'll remain in him, if we'll abide in him, what it says in verses 8, 9, and 10, as you go through there, it says, you abide in me. You follow my commandments. You live according to what I've called you to live. And then my joy, I'm going to put in your life, and your joy will be full. Your joy won't be half. Your joy won't be a quarter. You won't have to go to the joy station and get filled up with joy. Your joy will be full, completely to overfilling. And in our lives, we have that ability, but we have to choose not to lose the joy. In 2 Corinthians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 8, it says, We are hard-pressed, we said, on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Too many times we focus on the bad words in there and the words, not the words that say, not destroyed, not forsaken, not persecuted. The ones that, that are supposed to be telling us, hey, there's hope. You can have joy. You need to rise up. You don't need to stay down. You, need, you may fall, but get back up. Those are the words that sometimes we miss. And it's important that we have joy, and the choice is ours. James 1, 2 says, count it all joy, which means I have a choice that when I come into these situations that I face, when I come into stuff that doesn't seem right or doesn't seem like it's, it's going the way it should go, and it could bring a downer, it could bring a frown into my life, not just on my face, but into my life. Have you ever had a frown come into your life? You know, your whole life is like a frown, the way you live and the way you act and the way you talk and all of those things. But it says in, in James, it says, count it all joy when you face various trials. It says, now you're going to go through some stuff, and when you go through some stuff, you need to remember that there's joy on the inside of you. Too many times we allow those situations and circumstances to determine whether or not joy comes out of our life. But in the world today, Jesus didn't just come to give us joy. He went to be of the Father, and he left that joy with you so that you can spread that joy everywhere that you go. And today as we talk about love, we'll see the same common theme. When we talk about light, we'll see the same common theme. When we talk about life, we'll see the same common theme. Jesus was a gift into this world for us but not to stop with us, but to continue on through us. That what God gave us in the form of Jesus, what he gave us in that man who came onto this earth, the love, the joy, the happiness, the light, the life, all the things that he poured on the inside of him, Jesus gave back to us so that we then in turn could give it to the people who are around us. It's not a stop with you kind of thing. This is a flow through you kind of thing. And it's been the theme, and it's what we've been talking about in this church for years and years and years and years, that if God can get it through you, he'll get it to you. And a lot of people were worried about joy, were worried about love, were worried about life and light and those things in our lives. Let it shine through. If you don't let it shine through, your lamp will grow dim. See, if you don't let it shine through, your joy will go away. If you, if you don't let it come through your hands, your feet, your words, your things, your love on the inside of you, you'll, you'll, start, you'll start questioning whether or not you're loved. Why? You're not sharing, and what stays on the inside of you then becomes stagnant and stale. It's meant to be fresh. It's meant to flow. 
So there's more to it than just the fact that Jesus came into this world to bring us joy. He came to bring us light. He came to bring us life. And today we're going to share a little bit about he came to bring us love. The Christmas story isn't about just a baby in a manger. If we become, if we become short-focused, if we become short, short-sighted here, we, can, we, we have the manger scene, and you drive around town, and you see the little nativities in people's yard and everything. And, and that, that's true. It is all about that. But we know that really this was just an event that was leading up to some 33 years later, the pinnacle of this whole deal. Jesus had to come into the earth, and we celebrate that time. And he was love planted in this earth. He was God's love for us planted in this earth. But in God's heart, if you can see it from his vantage point, not our vantage point of, hey, we've got 33 years to determine what happens. See, we, could, we know there's going to be some things. This little baby's got to grow up before he can be the sacrifice for all the world and all the people. There, but but God didn't, God's time, see, he looks down on that. And as he plants Jesus into the world, he's planting not just a son, not just a baby. He's planting a sacrifice. See, he's planting, he's planting part of himself into this earth as a sacrifice. So as we get excited, and we should get excited about Christmas, we have to realize that there's another chapter to that story. And not to have a frowny face or be sad, it's the best part of the story, because it, just because Jesus came and was born into this earth, we're not saved. We're saved because he died on that cross, and he shed his blood for us. That's why we're saved. That's the pinnacle of this Christmas experience some 33 years later. That God planted his love here into the earth. In the form of Jesus, in the form of this baby, who grew up and became a man. But what I want us to see is this idea that God did so love the world that he gave his only begotten son. That it wasn't just a moment and it wasn't just a Christmas miracle and there wasn't just snow and angels and all the things that we've made it be. It was about planting a sacrifice into this earth. There's a stable for a reason. It's not the stable and not the end just because. Sacrifices were born in the stable. See, the sacrifices were the lambs and the bulls and all those things. They were the sacrifices that were bought. Jesus was a sacrifice, and God planted him in this earth as a sacrifice. And sometimes I think I I get a little, I just, I love the fact that it's Christmas and Jesus was born and all those things. And just for a moment, I might just, just think it was easy for God to just plop this kid down. And really, truly, when we have a baby, how big is that celebration? That's exciting. And it should be. It should be exciting. And the fact that God brought Jesus and put him into this earth, it is exciting. But he brought him in here to be a sacrifice for us. So as he plants Jesus into this world, he does so with all of the love that God is. He plants him here, knowing that as this thing progresses, he's going to have to die. And that Jesus brought life into this earth, and he's going to die, but that death is going to bring more life. That Jesus brought love into this earth, but that death is going to bring more love. But the, the heart of the Father is, I love you so much that I will give my only begotten Son to you to share. And now this video that I'm going to show, it's not necessarily, a, you've seen it if you've been here for a while. We've played this video a few times over the years. Uh, but it's the story of a father's love and a father's heart. So I just wanted someone to play this real quick. We'll just, not real quick, it's a few minutes. But it's the heart of a father.
what it says there that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life that, it, that in this world today i don't think people see it like that so i don't think people see the love of god like that that he sent his son to die on the cross what people in the world begin to see is this god who's condemning them for all of these horrible things that they're doing the guilt that they have on the inside because they're doing something that's wrong the things that are going on in their life they realize that they have to blame somebody so they blame god 
And it says in John 3, 17, though, if you turn that page, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that through, the, that through him the world might be saved. That he wasn't the condemner. Well, what makes the difference? Love. Now, there's conviction, and what people do is when, they, when, they're, when they're convicted because they've done wrong, we, we, end up, we end up realizing, you know what, something's not around the inside of me. I've done something that's not right. We're saved, and so we're set free. But on the inside, the Holy Spirit tells us and shows us that something isn't right. We've messed up. We've made a mistake. We don't turn and curse God. Why? Because we understand God this way. We understand his love. We understand the word. We understand what he said. He just wants to correct us. He paid a great price and and gave a great sacrifice. That's why Jesus was born in the stable, to be a sacrifice. That he was born in this place where he would sacrifice his life for you and for me. That, That... 33 years later, yes, he would have to throw the switch. And yes, 33 years later, they would take his son and nail him to the cross. But it started and it began in that manger. It was his love and his plan for restoration for mankind. That was us. Now, that that plan doesn't stop, though, along the way. He didn't just act and just say, you know what? I love them. I'm just going to do that. He acted. I'm sorry. He didn't just just say, I just love them and I'm not going to do anything. He acted because he sent Jesus into this earth to die on the cross it says in in romans 5 8 you know it says he actually basically it says he actually went through it he demonstrated his love for us and that while we were yet sinners on a train headed somewhere shooting up or angry or upset or whatever it might be as we were on that place going to going to hell going nowhere in our lives he sent his son to die on the cross for us and this is a little bit, I guess, Easter-ish, if you, if you want to say that, but it's, it's not meant to be Easter. That's what Christmas is about, really truly headed to Easter. And that in our lives, what we have to understand is the heart of the Father, how difficult that must have been to put Jesus into this earth just on this day, knowing that he was being put into this earth to die. You all, many of you have children, and could you sacrifice your child for me? See, would you sacrifice your child for somebody in the street that you don't know? Would you sacrifice your child for somebody that hasn't even been born yet, that you don't even know what direction they're going to go? And you're doing it, you're doing it without somebody saying, I'm going to say okay. See, Jesus died on the cross. He came into this earth. He brought love. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And there, was, there, wasn't, even a, there wasn't even this idea that says they're going to accept him. They could and many have and did reject him. But he did it anyway. He loved us that much that's the kind of love in our life that we're supposed to live with that's the kind of love in our life see jesus came into this world as a gift a gift of love for you and for me and that we've received him as our lord and we've received him as our savior and we said i want to walk with you and follow your word and live in the ways that you would have me to live then love see what did he tell peter feed my sheep love people that's what jesus commanded us all the way through just go out and love people People wanted to know, you know, what about all the commandments? What about the Ten Commandments on the wall and all those things? And, and how do I keep up? And how do I keep track of all that? Walk in love. So Jesus, Jesus just said, you know what? Really, truly, here's the new commandment. Here's this. Com- Look, I'll tell you what you need to do. Just love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your strength, all your mind, all your soul. And then if you'll do that and love your neighbor as yourself, there you go. Love. Because God is what? He's love. 
And he planted Jesus into this earth out of love. Jesus walked on this earth as love. Jesus went to be with the Father in heaven, but then he is going to be our Lord and Savior, and his power and his love and his ability and his joy and his peace and his strength and all of those things fill our hearts and fill our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. How does all of that work, or why does all that work? For love, so that we can go out and we can bring love into this world. Just like last week we said we're going to bring joy into this world, we need to bring in love into this world. We don't get a choice, we don't get a chance. We talked about John 15, verse, uh, chapter, verses uh, what 9 through whatever that was last week, 11. But in verse 12, it says, this is my commandment, and I said it just a minute ago, that you love one another as I have loved you. Verse 13 says, no greater love has anyone than this than to lay down one's life for their friends. In verse 13. That's what this thing was, this what this story was about, laying down your life for your, see, in our world, in our day, whether it's Christmas or whether it's Easter or whether it's May 4th or whether it's June 27th, no matter what the day is, no matter what the time is, are we laying down our life? We've talked about it in relationships as far as marriage goes because we spent three or four weeks talking a little bit about love and talking about how it is supposed to be in the marriage setting and in the marriage relationship. But what we didn't cover and what we didn't go over was how does that love then flow outside of your house the same way? The same way, that we pour that same love, that same self-sacrifice, that same says, not me, but you, into the world today. How come the world looks at God and they see him as a great condemner? How come they look to God and they say, you know what? He, he's not doing anything but bad stuff to people. Well, where are we, the ones who are supposed to be spreading what? His love. That in this earth, we're bringing his joy and we're bringing his love. See, it says, no greater love does one have than this than to lay down your life for your friends. That's the ultimate. You know, we talked about making love a verb in our life. That's the ultimate, making love a verb. Laying down your life. Now, we see for your friends, and so we're like, okay, I'm good with that. I could probably love some people that are closest to me. I love my family. You know, I love those four or five friends that are closest to me. Regardless of what they do, well, yeah, pretty much. Okay, now let's go outside of that scope. Let's go to that lady at Walmart that cut you off, you know, with the cart. She jumped in front of you. You had one item. She had 400 in her cart, and she was running to get in front of you because, you know, she's going to stop you. Do you love her? Not at this moment. <laughs> he didn't give us a time frame either. He just said love. See, is it the person at work who got the promotion you didn't get? What is the, where does that put you, or where does that make, where do, where do you stand in that? Well, I, 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 see, that's what we do. I, well, I, I don't, I don't it, it's, it's, it's okay. Well, okay, you understand it's okay, but do you love them? Why, well, I don't even hardly know them. Yeah, but do you love them? Do you love them with the love of the Lord that says, you know what, I love you, I'm going to pray for you, I'm going to take, take time, and I'm going to speak good words into your life. Well, No. Well, it says in the word that we're supposed to love. We're supposed to love like Jesus loved. That we're supposed to love like God loves us. It didn't say anywhere in here that that love changed. It didn't say anywhere in here that that love as it came into us was going to come out of us somehow held back because of this or somehow re 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 kept in because of that situation or this circumstance or that time or this timing. It didn't say we get to take that love then and just only like take Jesus into the manger at Christmas when it really fits us. And say, so, you know what, we're all about love this time of the year. Well, we should be all about love all the year. That in our life, we're full of joy. In our life, we're full of love that we don't stop halfway. And the story of the Good Samaritan in Luke chapter 10 
is a story that Jesus was, was sharing and, and, and teaching. And, and you know, as, as you read the story, it says, Behold, a certain lawyer came up and tested him, saying, Jesus, or teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Always coming with that idea and with that thought. And Jesus asked him, what is written in the law? And he said that you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, you've answered rightly. Just go do this. But see, he wanted an out in his life. And, and many times in our life, we want an out. See, we, we want to love everybody but this person, and we want that to be okay. And we don't say it that way. See, we want to share the gospel with everybody but this guy. We want to do everything with everybody but that person. We, we want to open ourselves up to, to like this group of people because I'm comfortable here and this is where I fit. I don't want to open myself up to that group or to that group or to that group. And so this guy's saying, yeah, 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 now tell me, where is my out? Kind of like Peter, remember when we talked about forgiveness? He said, 70 times 7, good. 491, I'm smacking him. No, nope, that's not what he said. He said, you don't get an out. And this lawyer comes to Jesus, and he's looking for an out. That, you know what? He's, maybe he's had people who've done him wrong. Maybe he's had He's a lawyer. He probably does. You know I mean? He's, you know, he's, probably, he's probably got all those things happening in his life. And he's saying, you know what? I, I understand the law. I understand the truth. But I understand that there's exceptions to this. So please explain to me where the exception of that is then. If you say, love my neighbor as myself, where, where's my out? When, when do I not get to do that? And if you read the story... He talks about the Samaritan on the side of the road who was hurt and the gentleman who came and helped him. It actually says that, that when he went to him, in verse 34, the man went to the one who was hurting. And the church today will help you if you're hurting, but you've got to come in the doors. Now, that many times that's where we're the most capable because we're all together and we can maybe meet a need. But really, truly, it says that this guy, he went to the other one. It didn't happen within the four walls of the church. This happened on the side of the road. And it said, so he went to him and bandaged his wounds and poured oil on him and did all those things. He brought him to the inn and took care of him. And on the next day he departed, he took out his money and gave it to the innkeeper. And he told him, you know, use this to take care of him, whatever he needs. And then if he spends more than that, when I come back, I'll make it up. And then Jesus asked him, who was the neighbor to that gentleman? Who was the neighbor to him? And they said, the one who showed mercy on him. And then he said, go and do likewise. Well, those two weren't supposed to like each other. The two that got together, they were the enemies. See, in the times in those days, they, they, they weren't, so he wasn't supposed to talk to that guy. See, a little bit like segregation in this country, you know, years ago. That idea that says, you know, we're not supposed to talk to that person or this person because of race or because of whatever the, whatever the situation, socioeconomic issues or whatever. We don't talk to them. I mean, they're less than we are. Or they, you know, you're, you're less than we are, whatever those things are. So they weren't supposed to even be talking to each other. That's why Jesus put those two together. So it proved the point that it's not just you being nice to someone who you like. It's not just you being the neighbor to the one who's in your neighborhood or in your house. It's not you being nice or being the neighbor to the one that you enjoy being around. It's you being the neighbor even to the enemy that you bring that love jesus came into this world as love and he was placed here as love and he loved everybody did he have enemies yes were people out to get him yes he also promised us people won't like you either and they'll be out to get you as well but you don't have an out you have to love we have to walk in love 
He says, now, who was, who was the one who was the neighbor to him? Who was the one who showed him the love? Who was the one who took care of him? You ask me this question, Jesus told him. You're the one who came to me and wanted to know. You're the one who came. You wanted an out. And now I'm showing you in this story that there is no out. A little bit like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus with the same question. How do I receive eternal life? Here's the deal. Love me with all your heart. Well, no, it says that he told him to sell all of his stuff and give it away. Yeah, yeah, that's what he told him to do was sell all of his stuff and give it away. But the premise of the story was you can't have things in front of you and me. You've got to get those things out of your life and just love me with all your heart. Well, how does that work with the Samaritan? Well, if you love God with all your heart, this story is easy. You're doing it. And again, we are a church, really, truly, that has always been known when you talk to visitors or talk to people who come here, boy, it's just so loving. That's awesome. I mean, that is great that people actually come in the door in this church, and when they leave, they, the thing that they remember, besides like worship or the message or whatever, they remember, see what they feel. People, when they come in and visit and then they leave, they remember how they were connected with. They remember what was going on. There's something on the inside of them that stirs. What is that? It's the love that they feel when they come in the place or not. Many times people will come into a church, and you may have been in a church like this. You weren't welcomed. You weren't comfortable. You didn't feel loved. You felt excluded. You weren't the enemy, but they didn't treat you like they would here. In Luke chapter 10, you didn't feel like somebody came and, and bandaged your wounds and helped you and took care of you. But here, that's not the case. When people come in, they're actually almost overloved. Can you be overloved? You know, when people come in, it's like, you know, everybody wants it. We're, 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 a, we're a hugging, loving bunch. Keep it up. Don't stop. This is an encouraging word that says, this is a great time in the season, just like last week. This is a great time. This season is a great time to now put to practice all the things we know about joy, love, light, and life, but to continue to carry them all year long then. This is like our place where we can't go wrong. Everybody wants to have joy at Christmas. Now, a lot of them don't. You shop with them. I mean, they're all out there doing the things that they do. But you do. You have it. I have it. You have that joy. You have that love on the inside of you. Now what we need to do is walk in that love. See, begin to walk in it, begin to share it, begin to express it everywhere that you go. That it's not just something that you talk about, it's, it's something uh, about how you live your life. See, it's not, just, it's not just hearing or speaking, it's this doing. You know, when I start thinking about you and I, and I, and like you're, you, I see you as I look around the room, I, I think of all the play, I, I don't think about bad stuff, I think about all the great things that you've done and how you love people how you sacrifice and how you care about and how you take care of people because that's what jesus came to do he came because he loved us and he wanted to make a way for us and it says that in john in luke 4 you know it says that he came to to bring sight to the blind and do all of those things and then he gave us that same commission to go out into the world to do this and i believe in this church we're doing this I believe that we are we are great joy spreaders. I believe that we are great spreaders of love in the earth everywhere that we go. That we're not holding back just for moments and times. That we really truly do live like it says in Luke chapter 10. Loving everybody who comes across our path. And not waiting for somebody to come to us, but going. We're not a church who really sits around and waits for the pastor to do something. We're not a church that necessarily sits around and waits for, you know, the, the, the people in the mentoring program or somebody else. I've, I've seen you. I've seen you grab people, bring them in church. You know, I, I, we get the phone calls and say, hey, I got this person. They're really hurting. What do I do? Keep praying for them. <laughs> you know? So sharing the love is, is becoming secondhand. I just want to encourage each and every one of us today, don't let it not be. 
continue to make it and to continue to keep it secondhand. That it's just what we do. It's who we are. You know, when you talk about love, acceptance, and forgiveness, love's kind of the first one in there. Everybody needs to know. Everybody needs to to feel that they're loved. And in situations that start to escalate, whether it's anger, whether it's, you know, uh, miscommunication or whatever it is, if you can come back to a point and to a moment of calm and just this opportunity to, to inject God's love into the situation, get out of yourself. It's going to take you not wanting to think about you and being right and all those things. If we can get to that moment and get to that time, you'll be surprised at how easily that gets diffused. Have you ever just wanted to kill somebody? You wanted to throttle them and you're ready to take them out? but then they love you in return, it takes all that away. Like all of a sudden, now you can't be mad at them anymore. You're mad at them for being nice to you, you know, but you're not mad at them because you were mad at them before. You're mad at them now because you feel bad about yourself because now they're being nice to you and loving you. See, love breaks down walls. Love breaks down barriers. There's something about love that really makes a difference in our lives. It had to. Jesus was love. He came into this earth. He made the biggest difference in our life. But then now as he's gone to be with the Father, we're supposed to go forward in that same what? In that same love. Just as he made a difference in our lives, we make a difference in the lives of the people around us. Now, it's not us doing it. It's him working through us, but it's him working through love. It says faith, hope, and love are all there, Paul says. In 1 Corinthians in chapter 13, I think it's verse 13 or something. But he says the greatest of these is what? Love. See, the greatest is love. In, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we can go there and read in verse 4, it says, Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. Love is not puffed up. Wow. Love does not behave rudely. Love does not seek its own. Love is not provoked. Love thinks no evil. Love does not rejoice in iniquity. I'm about three for five here. <laughs> see, where are you on the love? You want to check your love meter? You want to check your love scale? You want to see where you are? Read the read this scripture and then think about your life this last week. See, so begin to think about the places you've been and what you've said and what you felt on the inside. Maybe you didn't say it, but you felt it on the inside. What were you meditating in your heart? What was that thing that came back? Was it love, 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 love? See, was it about just pouring out God's grace and his mercy and his love in that situation? Or it's about how you were wronged or it wasn't right for you or whatever that might be. Because it says at the end of verse 6, but starting verse 7, it says, Love rejoices in the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. In the New King James, it says, Bears all, believes all, hopes all, and endures all things. And then in the marriage relationship, I think we were all together in that. We said, all right, fine, I'll do it. You know, as we talked about it, we talked about making love a verb. What does that mean we have to do? We have to live this. We've got to live this in our life. We've got to bear all things. We've got to, you know, we've got to take off. We, we have to make sure that we're, we're kind. Love is kind. It's patient. You know, it's all, okay, okay, okay. And so we'll, we'll, we'll seed that. You know, we'll say, okay, God, I'll, I'll do that. I understand it. But then when he says, you need to do that with your boss, or you need to do that with the guy down the street, or you need to do that with your neighbor, or this kid at school, or this person at the mall. You know, when you get cut off at the light, you got to love them. All those things that we've been talking, I mean, I have, you know, I mean, we all face all of those kind of things. We all have those situations and circumstances. 
and you love them with all your fingers and all your hands, and you, you know you wave, and Jesus loves you. Make, you know, unless, unless you're Joel, because he doesn't have all of his fingers on that hand. But, but Joel, you wave with the other one or whatever you got going on, because that could freak some people out. But um, <laughs> sorry, Joel. But you know, you wave with all all you get you get them up there. That's not, our fir- that's not our first thing. Even if you just came from church, that's probably where the devil's trying. He lurks. He drives around this block. Now, we rebuke him in Jesus' name, but he drives around this block, and he's driving in whatever that car is that cuts you off every time you leave church. And then he follows you to wherever you're going, and he, you know, he's honking his horn and flashing his lights, whatever that is. You know, we rebuke him off the streets around this church. But, you know, it's, it's that idea. He, he's out there waiting for you. And even if you left church, and we just talked about love, and we talked about God's kindness and his mercy, and how we're supposed to live that in this earth. See, we go out, and then all of a sudden something happens, and we have to respond right. We have to love. We have to give back. We have to share that love with the people who are around us all the time. In 1 John chapter 4, we'll read this scripture, and we'll pray. I really believe, truly, I, I, you know what it's like not to be loved? I mean, you know what it's like to just be in that place. And so I want to pray today as, as we, as we kind of head toward the end here. I mean, I really want to pray. I really believe God wants to pour his love out in this place. In your life, my life, you know, as we sit here, this is a season, you know, that's, that's supposed to be about joy and love and light and life. And we're going to talk about, you know, those things over the next couple of weeks. But that doesn't mean that even because, you know, and you saying, look, I just need God to just lavish his love on me, like that song that Corey wrote. Just lavish it. Just pour it out. I just need a refreshing of his love. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means, I mean, you just need to be refreshed. Rejuvenated. You know, his word says that we're supposed to love one another. And there's not a lot of scripture shared. and There's not a lot of message here today. The message is pretty simple. God loves you. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And then verse 17 is important for us to understand and know. That says, he did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, how does the world know the love of Jesus if not for us? See, how does the world come into contact with God's goodness and His mercy and His grace? How does the world come into contact with His joy, with His love without us? We are His instruments in this earth to bring His joy and to bring His love. And today you may be sitting here and saying, I don't feel love. Well, I'm telling you what, God's going to pour it out. He's going to pour it out on you. You're going to feel love. You're going to know your love. I know I'm loved. I didn't have to give my mom a Christmas tree that I made to know I'm loved. But I'll tell you this, every day, every year, she puts that dumb tree out. I know I'm loved. Because that does not fit her decor, and she has a lot cooler stuff than that. <laughs> Did you bring it to church because you don't want it at your house? Oh. <laughs> Okay, good. Okay, that's good. All right, that's good. That's just going to send me this. Okay, good. Because there, there were Christmases where I was like, hey, where, where's, where's my tree? See, where's my tree? See, you know you're loved. It says in 1 John 4, 7 through 11, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. Verse 8 says, he who does not love does not know God, and, is, and for God is love. But it says as you go on and you, and you read through this, in verse 10 it says, in this is love, 
Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought love one another. No matter how ugly they are, no matter how mean they are, no matter, listen to this, no matter how ugly you feel, no matter how mean you've been, no matter how hard or tough it's been in your world, no matter how many, no matter how many mistakes you've made in your life, I'm telling you what, God loves you. He loves you. And we celebrate Jesus coming into this earth, and he did so for you. He did so for you and you and you and me and, you know, but he did so for you. I think sometimes we come to him and we say, I feel so guilty and I feel so upset that I can't possibly deserve your love. That's a natural response because in the world, that's how the world does and deals with and gives love based on how you act and how you, how you do things right. If you do things right, or at least you do things that I want you to do, I will pour love on you. But if you don't, I won't. That's how the world has conditioned us to understand it. With God, it's not like that. He just says flat out, plainly, I don't care. When you say, but this, but that, I don't care. I love you. But I've been so, I love you. That he continues to pour it out to us every day that we need it. See, his love always protects. His love always trusts. His love always hopes. His love always perseveres. Never stops. So in this time today, let's just stand up because I believe God wants to pour out his love. We hope you've been encouraged, strengthened, and challenged in your walk with Jesus. If you need prayer for situations in your life, we encourage you to email us at prayer at victorylafayette.org or call our offices at 765-447-7777. If you desire to make Jesus the Lord of your life or if you've drifted away from the relationship you once had, I encourage you to pray this prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. I believe Jesus died for me and rose from the dead. Today, I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I receive the forgiveness for all my sins. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you come into my life and empower me to live a victorious life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen.